incident-packed games. Well, sort of, sort of. Basel was a bit dull, wasn't it? Um, wasn't Brighton horrendously dull from almost start to finish? Brighton was pretty pretty dull as well. Yeah, I, you have to say after those two games, the um, loss to Basel, uh, in which United basically deserved to lose, and the uh, the pretty prosaic victory over Brighton. I did not see what was coming next. No, I mean, the Basel game was... We'll do this in less than two minutes. The Basel game was strange because in the first half, we just absolutely battered them and it looked like we could score at will. Just missed a few key chances. And then in the second half, the the dead rubberness of it all overtook United and, and Basel got that late winner, which they, in the end, deserved. But, you know, we did... We were really good in the first half of that game. Um which everyone obviously understandably kind of forgot at the end of it all. Um, but that game didn't matter at all. The Brighton game mattered a lot more. Um, and we had the uh, the Martial and Rashford both in the starting lineup with Lukaku again. This time, not such a feast of football as it had been against Newcastle. No, it was a tough game. Just something a bit slow about United against Brighton. Just uh, failed to really get going at all, ever. Uh, which didn't really make sense given the the nature of the team. I mean, you can really even blame Mourinho for being negative or anything like that. It's just uh, United never really got out of the blocks. And, and Brighton worked hard, had some good chances. You know, I, I, you couldn't exactly say they deserved a draw, but um, it would be hard to deny them that if they'd, uh, if they'd taken one of the five, six chances they created. Um, so one of those ones where you just go, phew, got away with that. But it really is Ashley Young FC. Um, he That was the thing about that Brighton game that no one knew at the time, is he it was setting up an explosion of footballing delight. Um, Look, I, I've, I've, I've always told you that Ashley Young is world class. And not only that, I've talked a lot about uh, his end uh, end product and productivity and, and especially the great value for money he's offered United over the years. Exactly. Um the Brighton goal, not his, obviously. Um, uh, one one brief thing about the Brighton game. Um, our boy Juan Mata, uh, apparently, fair to say, a, a pretty terrible performance from him. Uh, yeah, have we seen him since? Not sure we have, have we? Uh, no. Will we see him again? Not sure we will, yeah. will we? Well, I mean, look, there have been plenty of players who've played badly in games this season, haven't they? Or under Mourinho generally, so... Um, uh, and sometimes they've been dropped and then they come back. He's uh, joining Henrik Mkhitaryan in the punishment beating chamber. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, I, you know, uh, you wouldn't beat Juan Mata, would you? He's just too nice. Jose Mourinho's already had him in one lot of uh, one lot of punishment beating chambers, hasn't he? Uh, at mm. Chelsea, so you know, I, I'm I'm not surprised he's he's done it again. Uh, no, but seriously, um, Mata was replaced in the starting 11. Oh, a word about the starting 11 against Brighton. A uh, friend of the show, Awate, treating, tweeting, uh, sent me a DM beforehand, asking whether this was the most characters on the bench ever, not in terms of big personalities, but in terms of number of letters on the United bench, uh, with McTominay, Mkhitaryan and Ibrahimovic all on the bench, and the fact that Marcus Rocco and Ander Herrera both have their full name um, on their shirts and Mara and Fellaini. Fellaini's got quite a lot of letters in it. A lot of letters in the subs. But uh, Mkhitaryan, neither Mkhitaryan or Ibrahimovic in the squad for Arsenal. Do they still charge per letter on the back of the shirts? <laughs> they they do not. They have not for quite some time. Uh, maybe they should again then. So, yeah. Um, well, look, got away with it, basically, I think. Uh, not not only the, the fortunate goal, 
Um, would have been a worldie, of course, if I hadn't taken the deflection to take it in. Um, but uh, just, you know, the lack of sort of oomph uh, in that Brighton game. Uh, slightly more oomph than in the second half against Basel because there was, I don't know, can you get negative oomph? There was about that. And then on, on to Watford, where um, Ashley Young stole the show. And Jesse Lingard. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, maybe the two most criticised players in the, in the team. No, I mean, Mateo Damien will des- deservedly take top spot there. But um, Young starting it with that really fantastic shot. Um, kind of went through a load of legs, just hit it, drilled it low and hard. Um, but then... He uh, he got his Beckham on. It's fair to say. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing watching that uh, from directly behind the free kick because he sets it out towards the middle of the goal, and uh, you know he he bent it like Beckham went like a banana into the top corner. Absolutely outstanding. Has he ever done? He's never scored a free kick for United before, has he? I'm pretty Can't sure. Can't remember it. Was there one? I of mean, the, the only goal he ever scores for United is when he cuts inside and bends it into the top corner. Apart from the one he scored against Watford where he smashed it into the bottom corner. Yeah. Well, he's got new tricks, hasn't he? He hasn't cut into... He hasn't cursed quarter circle forward, hard kick, done his special move for a long time, like cutting in, curling into the far corner. Maybe he's forgotten how to do it. Um, he's definitely... He's definitely been in excellent form. Like, he's he's been decent at left back for a while and... and he was, he was brilliant in that Watford game. Like, he was just... I mean, obviously, it would do a lot of good for his confidence to score that first goal, but... He was excellent defensively, and and the free kick was just breathtaking. You know, Mourinho's reaction, the the gift doing the rounds. You know, what an what an amazing, just like just look looking like what 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 just happened? <laughs> Ashley Young just curled a perler into the top corner. Yeah, I mean, and goals coming from all over the pitch. Lingard got a, a beautiful solo goal. Absolutely cracking. Martial scored as well. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he uh, he could do his one. It's just a shame that Lukaku didn't get one. He's got like one in 12 games or something now, which is rather worrying. Well, I'm not worried at all, to be honest. I thought Lukaku's hold-up play, or not necessarily hold-up play, but all-round play against Watford was absolutely fine. And same again against uh, Arsenal. So I... I'm not. I'm not buying this uh, rather knee-jerk narrative that's doing the rounds that Lukaku's a busted flush because he hasn't scored. Like he scored a, a hatful first off. Then we kind of really cooled off in general, and he got very isolated and maybe didn't play so well for a couple of games. That will, will give him that. But I think I think he's been an integral part of United's attacking setup in these two games where we've scored seven goals. Um, I guess with the Watford game, we should talk about the goals in the order in which they came because that was so key to that game Martial scored and we were 3-0 up and absolutely cruising but actually before Young's first goal Watford had looked quite dangerous and I think a lot of us had felt that that game was I mean if we'd done a a show and sorry that we didn't by the way I don't know how we've ended up on this fortnightly schedule for the last few weeks but we will fix this um but uh, if we'd done a show I think we'd have talked about what a potentially difficult game this was and Watford did look impressive but then just raced into a 3-0 lead but I have to say I all the way through that, I thought, you know, if we concede one, this is going to get really shaky really quickly. Or mm. well, when Tom Cleverley's your holding midfielder. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Watford are very open. And uh, you can see they, they shipped uh, four against us, uh, six against City, four against Liverpool or Chelsea, or maybe both. I can't remember. Like, uh, they've, they've conceded um, quite a lot of goals this season, and most of them come in uh, just the games against uh, some of the big sides. So, 
um, and uh, and it's because they're just a little bit open with this sort of three four three formation that they play. Uh, but they're very good against sort of mid-ranked teams, and they they'll be fine this season. And uh, Marco Silva will complete the season with them and move on to a bigger job, I assume. Um, but but was, this was it, another it one was, of the, one of the ones where their um, their back line got torn torn apart. But it was the the kind of point I was trying to steer towards was just how shaky United looked the second a goal went in. Yes, I mean you know the the foot clearly came off the gas in the second half, didn't it? And uh, and then you know Dini scored and um, Decore scored just a couple of minutes later, really. Um, and it it did look for a, a moment that Watford the comeback was on, didn't it? Um, until um, you know uh, Lionel Jesse came up and scored his beauty. Messi Lingard, what a goal! What a go- people talking about. People talking mess about that goal because he didn't like exactly beat four men, but he effectively did. Like picked up the ball in his own half in the dying embers of a game in which he'd run his socks off from start to finish. Ran, a, you know, a good solid more than a third of the length of the pitch, and then ran into the defenders and made the decision to kind of pull them out of position. And then he, he kind of made even made space for another player. He could have passed it, but he, instead, the cool, cool finish. And Jesse Lingard is on fire at the moment. Yeah, another one against Arsenal. Um, and so, which of which of Jesse Lingard's wonder goals is Jesse Lingard's best wonder goal? Because most of his goals, not including today, a great number of his goals have been wonder goals, haven't they? They have. He's got a really high. Goals to wonder goals ratio, hasn't he? <laughs> um, I, I'm thinking the one in the uh, the cup final, cup semi final, 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 cup final. The the one where it, um, he just whacked it. Yeah, it bounced up to him and he just whacked it. Yeah, that was the final. That was the winner in the final, in fact. Because in the moment. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, this this after obviously it's not a cup final, but this was a big moment because United were rocked. When they went down to three two, they were rocked. When they went to three one, I, I, I said to you in the WhatsApp, I had been this close, and I'm putting my fingers quite close together as this is an audio feature. This close to tweeting out which of our back three is going to concede a penalty tonight, <laughs> and then and putting a poll. But then I was like, oh, this is way too negative. Um, but of course, one of the back three did in fact concede a penalty. I think it was Smalling, right? I had my money would have been on Rocco, but it was it was Smalling on this occasion. <laughs> well, Rocco is a yellow card waiting to happen, isn't he? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean they've definitely all got a mistake in them. Uh, although look, they've they've done okay. I mean, they only conceded one against Arsenal of Arsenal's thirty three <laughs> shots. Yeah, I'm not sure that's on the back three. I'm not sure you can praise the back three in a game in which David De Gea literally broke the Premier League record for saves. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to... Have we had nothing more to say again about Watford, really? Yeah, good good confidence-building win. It was an interesting change of system. Um, I think possibly... I mean, if we'd won... Say if we'd won that game 4-0, it would have definitely flattered United in terms of performance. And... 
and the kind of the the extent to which the back three are open and vulnerable, especially when Nemanja Matic is not playing brilliantly, as he definitely didn't against Watford, came off after an hour, I think, um, with a bit of a minor knock. But he'd been he looked leggy and tired. Um, I thought in that game, and and actually there were a few signs. Obviously, the attack was absolutely like sensational. Um, beautiful to see Martial score the young goals were great but you know there there were signs of potential trouble ahead but in fact it doesn't matter because David De Gea Uh, I mean he's just outstanding isn't he Um, Mourinho said after the Arsenal game uh, I told him um, what I've seen there is the best goalkeeper in the world no doubt about that is there surely not I mean I don't watch a lot of Manuel Neuer and well, no, no one does at the moment because he's, you know, got his legging plaster or whatever right. it is. Um, there are other good goalkeepers, I'm sure, but David De Gea is, he's just, he's just unbelievable. <laughs> 33 shots Arsenal had. 33 shots. 15 shots on target. Um, an XG of just under five for Arsenal five like I know people debate stats and all this kind of stuff but um whatever you think about the nature of statistics the the basics of if a team has an xg of five it meant they had some really 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 big chances in that game uh yeah they did they did and uh they scored one of those really really big chances um uh, I had the dubious pleasure of uh watching the game on Premier League TV and the, the feed always has Jim Beglin in there, who um, whose summary after the game was basically uh, Arsenal were the moral victors. He couched it in slightly different words than that. I was like, yeah, right. So um, I, I'm not normally uh, much of a wind-up merchant, but I decided to text every Arsenal supporting person I know, uh, specifically because of Beglin, just to get the wind-up on. <laughs> the, the thing is, I don't know how anyone can claim that as a moral victory when United were 2-0 up after 11 minutes. Because going 2-0 up after 11 minutes phenomenally affects the pattern of play for the rest of the game, doesn't it? Well, especially with this United side, because, you know, would anyone doubt that if United were given a basically handed a two-goal lead because of some shocking defending from Arsenal, um, that uh, that a Mourinho side wouldn't, you know, basically retreat into itself, which is exactly what United did. You know, uh, Arsenal ended up with 75% of the possession, um, which is, I mean, we might not have been that surprised if we were told that before the game, to be honest, um, but especially not given given United scored two early goals. Um, and... Um, I think I think Mourinho probably wouldn't have been happy with the amount of chances conceded. He would have stopped wanting to stop the source. And actually, Arsenal created some good chances inside the area. That's why their XG is so high. Um, and, uh, you know, thankful in the end to David De Gea. It wasn't the perfect sort of park-in-the-bus defensive performance, but um, I think the pattern was pretty predictable. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even a good parking the bus defensive performance was it like you can't you can't really say it's a a good defensive performance if you concede that many big chances but it was an absolutely but first of all like the the opening goal Valencia does brilliantly it was poor defending like you say Czech should have done better as well I think maybe he saw it very late I don't know um but yeah it's it's, it's poor defending but Valencia does really well and the second goal United play that's an absolutely sumptuous passage of play like one of the best goals we've scored all season as a team um so Jesse Lingard the thing that even the people that 
kind of have a go at him for, uh, have a go at him would still acknowledge he harried his man, which kind of caused him to lose the ball. Lukaku picked it up. I think he did Lukaku knock it straight out to Pogba or is it back? I think it was. And then um, Pogba fed it into Martial, who just Martial's touch for that goal. And the fact that this is one of Lingard's really underrated qualities, I think, or or maybe undervalued qualities is how well he can hang with the real proper ballers in the team. Because what Martial did in that moment was so finesse and so delicate, it could easily um, almost confuse the forward. But Lingard is totally ready for that. And his composure for the finish was absolutely excellent. That was That goal was like a dream goal, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah, great composure, and uh, he's not always had that, has he? But um, he he makes very good third man runs, Lingard. I think, and I think that's why Mourinho likes him in that number ten position, uh, because he is going to break ahead uh, of of midfield, and and that's exactly what's got him the goal there. And and you're right, a beautiful passage of play should never have had the ball. Honestly, I mean, I, if I was. Uh, uh, the Arsenal manager there, I'm going to be pretty sickened by uh, giving the ball away in, in the final third like that. Um, but United took full, full advantage and then defended their own box for the next uh, 79 minutes plus five of injury time. And Arsenal are a funny side because there is a lot of talent in that team. Um, but they're just, I don't know, that. I mean, the the first really big goalmouth scramble, I think that was the one where it bounced up. Maybe it bounced up and hit the bar, maybe. Not the one where the second big goalmouth scramble where De Gea did the miraculous double save. Mm-hmm. The second one almost doesn't make sense even when you watch in slow motion afterwards. Just somehow, somehow uses his, his leg to do what Peter Schmeichel would have used his whole body to do and kind of closed down the angle for Sanchez. Um, but just that United's defense was in a complete panic as soon as there was as soon as there was a great deal of pressure applied on them, really. And yeah, no, I think that's right. And uh, a lot of desperate defending and a lot of relying on the goalkeeper. Having said that, um, uh, United actually had some good opportunities mm-hmm. on the break. Um, and one where Lingard's hit the post, a very good opportunity, and one where Pogba popped up in the right hand side of. The box just needed to cross it to Lukaku and uh, and Martial coming in and and kind of scuffed his cross. Yeah, and um, and that that would have been an open goal as well. So, you know, some good opportunities on the break, as you'd expect, really with Arsenal pouring forward and always been vulnerable to that kind of thing. Historically, might not mean anything, but it's true. Um, and uh, so, you know, could have could have um, saved it a bit. Uh, earlier than this I mean to, to be honest once Arsenal got that goal just after half time I thought United were going to lose I just couldn't see how mentally they could get out of defending their own box and not defending it that well but uh, uh, up pops Jesse Lingard again to save the day uh, you know uh, up pops Paul Pogba as well like Lingard did brilliantly with the run but reminded me of the the opening goal against Newcastle when United were behind just Pogba's you mentioned him scuffing that other cross but that that ended up being his second second assist of the game Pogba and you know it it was brilliantly composed brilliantly skillful brilliantly strong and and just just a a wonderful wonderful cross and and picked out Lingard perfectly and Lingard had kind of pulled himself away from any defensive attention for that tapping and you know 
was absolutely magnificent and he was looking like you know Pogba would have been a a, a kind of potential competitor to De Gea for man of the match with those two assists and and generally like a lot of very well he was outstanding Pogba and for for 74 minutes and then and then uh the the one real big downside of this game happens uh and Paul Pogba was sent off what did you make of all that well, I mean, f- first thing is he's going to miss the derby next weekend and uh, whatever else comes after that, which I can't really remember. But, so it's, um, it's Bournemouth at home and West Brom away afterwards. Okay. We can we can live with those. The derby's yeah. a big one. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I guess if you want to be really half-glass empty, you'd say, well, we're going to lose that one anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you want your player. I mean, this is, this is Paul Pogba. The criticism of him from some quarters has been that he hasn't... Um, he hasn't stood up in the really big games. This was United's biggest game of the season, I guess, or one of them. Um, and and he was majestic until he just let the ball get away from him, um, and he's left his leg in there. And I, I I'm sh- like I think in slow motion it looks hor- horrible, and it is horrible. Um, in real speed, I, I don't know that he could have pulled out. I definitely don't think it's deliberate, but it's definitely a red card because his, his studs are up and it's dangerous. And you know the the rules are pretty clear about that. But um, it's uh, I'm not sure he's trying. He's, to, I'm pretty sure he's not trying to do that. I don't think he's trying to do it at all. But I think the notion that kind of there was nowhere else he could have put his leg. You know, Bellerin sort of almost forced him into the stamp with his weird leg position. I don't think. I don't think even watching it in real time, he he stretches his legs so far and he's not that near the ball. I mean, maybe he kind of, what I mean by that is kind of when he's landing his leg, he's, like you say, it's so reckless. There's one of the reasons he couldn't have pulled out is because he overcommitted to a dangerous challenge, you know? Yeah, yeah, but still, but still. Well, um, it's a shame because he's just come back from injury and uh, he doesn't need a break. (laughs) But he he's going to get a break here for yeah. a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe no. we'll head off to Dubai and you know recuperate some more or something like that. I mean, Matic ironically really does look like he needs a break, and he is not going to get one because uh, he's going to be vital against City now. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, presumably Ender Herrera comes into the team, but it's uh, it's definitely not the same player, is it? No. Although United will be doing. Basically, this against City. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's going to be a big defensive performance. The problem is City aren't nearly as vulnerable on the break as as our um, as our Arsenal, and they're very very comfortable playing against teams who play this way. I also um, think if City have five xG in a game, they're probably going to win it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, still. Um, I mean, look, I'm I'm sure this scoreline and the nature of the game has boiled a lot of piss. Uh, around, I just imagine United parked the bus and Fellaini heads one in in the 89th minute or or handles I mean, one in or something like that. Wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> elbow, backspin, backspinning elbow. Yeah, yeah, he handled um, it, handles it in off the ref's head. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the Pogba incident, they were pointing out on BT Sport after the game that it came just a few moments after he seemed to have a bit of a spat with Rifaria and, and Mourinho about some tactical instructions. And he was kind of doing a bit of flappy arms on the pitch. And it's kind of interesting. You wonder whether there was just a slight lack of loss of composure there. You could be reading too much into that, but it definitely looked fairly plausible to me. Um, Arsenal probably should have had a penalty as well, right, in that game? Uh, possibly was... even two, actually. So Welbeck's turn. Definitely caught by Damian. 
Um, and then, uh, was it Sanchez taken out by Valencia? Later on, possibly yeah, we could add to. I mean, so. at, at this point, we're just like just rubbing it in, aren't we? Not only five <laughs> XG, but probably two penalties. They should have had two. I mean, uh, I haven't seen Arsenal fan TV, but I'm sure there's some meltdown going on there. Uh, you know, it's it's United standard victory at the Emirates, isn't it? That's, it reminded me of the most hilarious game in football history, the, the game where we'd beat them 2-0 in the Van Hals first season when they racked up shot after shot after shot in the first half and then we just kind of bang bang got them twice on the counter in the second and that was all done um but yeah it was that day was brilliant that day as well although no that day that day if i remember a lot of the shots were kind of straight at him a little bit i mean made a lot of saves but not nowhere near as the record breaking number of saves that he made in this game 14 saves um yeah um reports coming out this week that he's not interested in a move to Real Madrid. Why would he want to go anywhere else, he says. Good. So, so say reports. Good lad. I mean, to to win stuff. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I mean, we win trophies, it's fair to say. You know, three trophies in the last two years and a bonus community shield. But they're not necessarily the trophies that he wants to be winning, are they? No, and, and you know, no, of course, he wants to be winning the league and he wants to be winning the European Cup and I, United aren't going to win the European Cup this season. Um, and uh, the league, you would say, is probably doubtful. We'll wait until after next weekend's game. Um, and so uh, it's it's going to be one of the Cups. Yeah. Uh, Possibly. Absolutely. So um, I guess we've got, we've got so many questions. Um, should, we, should we take some of them? Sure. Only the good ones, though. Okay. Any, any more that you wanted to say about that Arsenal game before we do? No, but, um, well, I enjoyed it. That was good. It was great. I mean, there's there's something nice about. I mean, I like. I I think if I was, if it's the other way around and United had played like that, I'd be fuming. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but there's just something. Um, you know, M- Mourinho pisses me off a fair bit, but there's something beautifully Mourinho-esque in uh, beating an Arsenal team that's had seventy five percent possession and thirty odd shots, and beating Arsene <laughs> Wenger, who will tonight go to bed thinking he's the moral victor. Um, and uh, the uh, the evil doer that is um, uh, Jose Mourinho scored a victory over him again. Yeah, and you know, nice for us to get a, a win over the top six. Although I'm not sure Arsenal should count in those statistics. Not because they're not a top six team, just because they are so easy for Manchester United to beat. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, first question, I like this one because it forwards the same hashtag agenda. It's on the same page as me here. At the Keens, Mike Keeney says, Am I the only one who thinks Lukaku's been very good the last few games? Ignoring his goal scoring, the all-round game's been excellent for me. Won 11 aerial duels against Arsenal. And um, I th- I th- there was one touch in the first half during a, a counter-attacking move, a ball around the corner. It was absolutely beautiful. Mm. Like I like I said earlier, I'm just not worried about his performances. The goals will come. Well, maybe. Maybe they will. He's not even getting any chances, though, at the moment. So, um, look, his, his performance was fine. There was one uh, occasion towards the end of the game when he had a chance to break and it sort of bounced off his shins and went behind. Um, and he's never going to be yeah, but, he's I never going to be as neat in possession as as some of the really top technical strikers. That's okay. You know, he he did great things. He uh, he ran at pace at players. He ran into the channels. Uh, he, he's doing doing all right with the link up play. His performance level wasn't bad. He's still a £75 million striker. It's got to be worrying that he's got one in 12. Come on. I mean, honestly, like, 
genuinely, I don't find that worrying at all. I would if he'd gone, if it was his first 12 games at United and he'd gone one in 12. But, you know, when United were creating chances for him regularly, he was taking him regularly. And he has, it's not that he hasn't missed any chances in the period in which he's had a dry spell. But my goodness, he's, he's having, he's kind of making more chances than he's being provided with at the moment. Like there was one, one where he kind of bust down the right in this game, beat a man. Was it Monreal? I think he beat and put a cross in. Like he's one of the better crosses in the side. Um, somehow i don't know i just i just don't i don't think it's it's worrying in terms of how united are playing overall but i don't think it's that worrying in terms of how lukaku's playing because if he'd like i said if he'd been missing hatfuls of chances we may be having a different conversation but and and i our attack as a as a collective has been looking good again since pogba came back really the goals are coming they're coming well i'm not sure it did against brighton or basel or Chelsea. It, it but, did. It um, did against. Uh, it, Pogba didn't play against Chelsea, right? No, Pogba didn't play against Chelsea. Did he not? Um, no, no. Against Basel, our attack looked really excellent in the first half. Like created loads of chances. Brian was was definitely a strange aberration. But I wonder how much of that was about just a trip and a bit coming after an away game in Europe and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, apart from Brighton and the second half against Basel, we've looked pretty good since. Pogba came back. Well, um, uh, I guess we won't have to be good against um, against Moscow in midweek, Corey. Um, uh, what's the goal turnaround? Five, I think it is, for United to go to lose, and there's going to be a five-goal swing to not win. So I'm guessing the under-17s, uh, like you wanted, will play against that one. So maybe maybe Lukaku <laughs> won't get the chance to score there. I, I don't know. I think for any any striker. Who, um, who, who, you know, um, who, who wants to feel good about himself has score goals. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. And yeah. you know, it's okay saying his performances were good, um, and some of them were. Uh, not not against Chelsea. It wasn't or against Basel, actually. But um, you know, against Newcastle and and particularly against Watford and Arsenal. Yeah, pretty lively. Uh, but yeah, one in twelve. That's that is worrying. And let's hope he gets some against City next weekend. Seems unlikely. Well, I mean, I'm not bothered about whether he scores against City. To be honest, that's not like I'd like him to get a hat trick against Bournemouth. That would be good. But we'll come. We'll come on to the future in a bit. Um, we'll just have to agree to disagree about whether it's worrying or not. At underscore Taylor Ben, friend of the show, says, "What is a Millie Rock? A Millie Rock on every block, Ben? Um, just Google it. Just Google it. That's a way better source of Millie Rock information. It's a it's a dance move. There are associated tunes. It's a whole thing." This is like when people were asking what a dab was. Um, United's attack, always educating people about the culture. Um, will United ever look comfortable in a 3-4-3? It should work, but we never look comfortable playing that way. Says at TKTibs22. Depends what you mean. Um, comfortable defensively, yeah, not really against Watford or Arsenal. So um, that's about right there. Chelsea just didn't perform. At all, uh, I'm trying to think of a performance that was good. I mean, uh, Moscow away with three at the back was pretty good. But I'd say generally, and this is a generalisation under Mourinho, it's it's not looked that good. But Mourinho likes the solidity or he just doesn't trust his defenders. I mean, it's funny though, isn't it? Because it seems to just generate more opportunity for confusion among his defenders. Yeah, yeah. well, especially when you've got three flakesters like Lindelof, <laughs> Rojo and Smalling in there. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I agree that Lindelof... I don't know if Lindelof gets to be in that elite pantheon of flakesters that Chris Smalling is the captain of. Um, Like, we've seen Smalling over a long enough sample size that we know for sure Smalling is a flakester. Left out of the England side, gave a quote saying something like, he knows what it takes, he knows what top defenders have to do, having been at United for so long. I'm like, you might know what they have to do, son. But that is a this is a knowledge and application differential here, what we've got here. Um anyway, I, I wonder whether United wouldn't just be more solid at the back with with a back four, but actually in terms of the especially the 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 kind of the lack of natural width in the attackers means that playing fullbacks generates a kind of more automatic natural width. Or yeah, playing, yeah playing no, I, backs, I do sorry. think Mourinho likes that as well, yeah. yeah. And uh, no, no doubt he'd use his Ivan Perisic defence. <laughs> yes, although Martial, my goodness, what a season he is starting to have. Um, Mick Oosterdahl saying, Jesse Sung Park the bus. That's what's coming. It is what's coming. At Hip Hopopotamus 2... Oh, I'm, I'm sad to hear that Hip Hopopotamus was um, Hip Hopopotamus one was taken. Um, could have gone with Rhinoceros, but no. Uh, he says De Gea performance versus Arsenal greater than Schmeichel versus Newcastle? Question mark. I know you're a huge Schmeichel fan, Ed. What do you reckon? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think um, I, I I don't remember how many saves Peter Schmeichel made in that game. Uh, I don't know whether the stats are available for that, but uh, this one wasn't quite as big because that one came at a pivotal moment in the season when United were chasing Newcastle down. Was it Was it late, even later in the season than that? March. Uh, yeah, March. There you go. So probably bigger in the context of winning the title. Yeah, uh, bigger. Whether it was better or not, I don't know. I'm, I am, like I said, I'm increasingly convinced David De Gea might just be Manchester United's best ever goalkeeper. Um, but but yeah, Schmeichel versus Newcastle. The thing about that performance wasn't really the quality of it, although that was very high. It was the sheer clutchness of it, to you borrow a term from American sports. To borrow and simultaneously butcher a term from American sports. Because I don't think they say clutchness, do they? <laughs> I like this question from Alec Hus- Hudson at Alihud42. What will be the sequence of events that makes young Force Ozil out of the team next season? <laughs> well, just just for Ozil to go disa- and disappear for like twelve games when he's decided he wants to move to Paris Saint Germain. <laughs> um, yeah, there lots of talk. I mean, Ozil, big hug with Anthony Martial at the end of the game. Big hug with the United bench. You know, it's all a bit flirty, flirty, isn't it? Is and there was that Griezmann and Ozil tweet exchange. Uh, lots and lots of rumours ongoing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not really young, but uh, can he get Jesse Lingard out of the side? Well, that brings us to a question from at Pete of All Trades, definitely friend of the show. Says, is Jesse actually our best number 10 for the big games? Press is better than Mickey or Mata and seems to execute Jose's instructions better than most. Um, which, you know, I can't help thinking that a, a functioning Mkhitaryan would be really helpful. Like last season, there were games in which Mkhitaryan and Herrera were an awesome interception unit. They just pressed brilliantly together. Um, but Lingard is clearly, he, whatever else he is, he's clearly our number 10 in the best form at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, right now, yeah. Um, 
Uh, he's not a natural number 10 in the kind of classic number 10, put your foot on the ball and spray passes around. He doesn't control a game like that, but uh, he's he's more like an eight and a half, isn't he, when he plays that? He's, he's going to burst forward. He's going to get ahead of the ball. He's going to make those third-man runs. He's going to do it at pace, uh, and he scores some goals. Well, if you're playing the rank cast drinking game, um, th- there's not been any Rooney bashing so far, so you're safe on that front, but Ed has talked about how one of our number 10s is not a classic number 10 who gets his foot on the ball and sprays passes around. Going to say that six weeks. <laughs> can we do some Rooney bashing? <laughs> yeah. No. In, in the week that he scored one from the halfway <laughs> we line. Can't, we can't do any Rooney bashing because he just scored a hat-trick which featured an absolute wonder goal. What a I, hit. I thought it was just a Hollywood pass that went wrong, to be honest. The thing is, legitimately, I was watching that game for the first 10 minutes and he tried a Hollywood ball and it was terrible. Um, and I was like, oh, God, I'm so glad he's gone. Such a relief. And then then he missed a penalty as well. It's like, see, see. But then, of course, he nodded, nodded the penalty home. What, what have they not seen, Rooney on penalties? <laughs> I mean, please. Um, but the thing about Wayne Rooney is... Part of the whole Rooney thing is that there was a time when he was an absolutely, unbelievably good footballer. And I still love it when brilliant Wayne Rooney shows up. And the contact he made... First of all, Joe Hart is hilariously bad, which is always fun. Joe Hart being bad is always funny. But he kind of passes it out to Rooney. And just the kind of the confidence, the surety and the technique to be able to hit 21st century football like that the kind of perfect bend and dip that he got on that ball that was kind of bouncing at some speed towards him he didn't control it first did it first time what a goal oh no it's an it's an absolute beauty i did post some shithousery on twitter which got a lot of people wound up i mean please (laughs) um i think i asked which was the better goal the one where he shinned the overhead or uh misplaced the hollywood ball it's just ming at this point yeah, I know, I know, but it winds a lot of people up, so it's funny. Um, no, it's it's an absolute beauty. I think that that may be his best ever goal. Just the technique to be able to do that with the ball moving towards him at some pace. I think most players would have um, would have got too much bend on that and sliced it, but uh, he he managed to control it and get the speed. Newcastle two thousand and five, though Ed, New t- Newcastle two thousand five. Yeah. That was angry, yeah, Rooney, was. though. Um, uh, that game featured Everton against West Ham, managed by Sam... Well, he wasn't quite there, but let's, for the sake of argument, managed by Sam Allardyce and David Moyes, meaning that both managers had managed both teams and both sets of supporters hated both managers. Yeah, I know. There was some great stuff tweeted around this week about um, uh, if you take uh, Allardyce, Moyes, um, Pulis, uh, Pardiola... Um, and and they've all managed the same teams basically, you know. And uh, a lot of lot of complaints about young British managers not getting a chance. Well, the fact is, it's a bunch of old British managers who block in their way most of the time. Um, it, it's uh, it's a really very safe choice, isn't it, for Everton to pick uh, Allardyce, or safe as in uninspired? Yeah, and funnily enough, I, I think out of all of the recent British manager, old British manager choices, this is the only one that I would call low risk. Because Moyes to West Ham is a massive, massive gamble. Like, not only a gamble, it's like, I don't know, it's like playing roulette and adding three extra greens to it. Um, It's just a ridiculous gamble. And Pardew at West Brom, 
there's absolutely no guarantee of any kind of success with that one, is there? So this is like, this is the one decision out of all of these recent ones where you think, well, actually, Allardyce is definitely going to kind of steady the ship and probably get a decent tune out of the squad he's got. We've seen... Mm. Bef- oh, but they'd get more credit if they called Aladici and Pardiola and Moyes. No, but the, the, like, honestly, like I, I'm kidding. I know, I, I know. But what I don't under—it's just a bit root one banter, Ed. It's a bit of a 2011 banter. That's all I'm saying. But the the thing about that's pretty much where my banter got <laughs> yeah. stuck. The thing about it is, is Allardyce just doesn't quite belong in the same category for me. Maybe, maybe I'm just wrong, and for some reason I've got a weird soft spot for Big Sam. I think it's that Fergie liked him so much, but. But it's almost like I think it's a bit disrespectful to Allardyce to put him in the same bucket as Pardew and even Moyes, especially in 2017. Like Allardyce just did another great job at at Crystal Palace. He's the only one of them who's done, come off the back of doing a good job. The job, the England job, he didn't do anything wrong in terms of the management side of it. Before that, he did an excellent job at Sunderland. But Pardew is a complete chancer and a clown, and David Moyes is like. Uh, a joy vacuum. This this is West Ham of all teams to inflict David Moyes on. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, Moyes doesn't make any sense. You're right. Yeah. So that's rank cars drinking game. Moyes. It's all, it's all happening. It's all happening. Um, we should, we should do a, like a fourth Twitter question since we've just been rambling for ages. Um, <laughs> at Rich Al Williams says, what's Dave's origin, superhero origin story? Um, I don't know, maybe like, maybe he saw, like he had this toy and it was, he was standing by, um, by a well and he had this like teddy and it was the teddy bear that he loved so much. And it kind of was his like, you know, it was his emotional, rock in a kind of hard universe this was the one thing that made him feel safe in the world and some bullies came and they threw it over his head into the well and he was like never again will anything get past me and then he became David De Gea all right seems seems plausible to me lots and lots of questions about how Lukaku is actually doing a lot which is nice um man of the match asks at uncomfy silence and there's a poll here David De Gea's right foot David De Gea's left foot David De Gea's top knot David De Gea's Amish beard (laughs) yeah yeah I can just about take the Amish beard but the top knot sorry I mean a goalkeeper it is not right that we have a goalkeeper that good that's got a haircut that bad (laughs) um uh, at special K underscore two three one one says, "Is Jesse Lingard now a real boy?" <laughs> <laughs> he is. I mean, you know, quite a lot. He gets talked about as a young player quite often, and some people get very. Yeah, it's not that young anymore. No, but he's still young in career terms. It's like it's like we said about Rooney so often. He's not. He's he's older than he is. You know, he's older than his actual age. Lingard is younger than his actual age, in terms of. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be playing till he's forty. Um, no. Uh, at least not at United anyway, you know, he's going to get his move to Everton or Stoke or West Brom or something like that in about four or five years' time. At Henry Kremples, Henry C. Kremples, says, is Pogba sending off uh, more important than the result? No, definitely, definitely not. Well, no, because, you know, three points. So uh, we'll, we'll see if United get spanked by City and then lose to Bournemouth and West Brom or drop points there and uh, are shocking in midfield, then then it might be. But uh, right now, um, no, points matter. 
A lot. Um, at Stephen Hendur91 um, says, any grounds for appeal? Uh, I guess he means about the Pogba red card. I'm going to say no. No, because, no, no, because even if we don't believe he uh, tried to do that, it's, uh, it's, uh, he's not in control of himself and it's a dangerous tackle. So um, law's quite clear on that one. It's The, the red yeah. card is right. So I think there are no grounds at all. Um, and then another popular question kind of related and a really interesting question that I don't know the answer to, so I'd be really interested in your thoughts on this. At Cray... Um, no, I'm just going to go with Crango. Uh, says, what do you think we need to do to stop relying so much on Pogba? Uh, well... I mean, it's a, bit, it's a bit like saying Barcelona rely too much on Lionel Messi. You know, if you've got a brilliant player, you've got a brilliant player. So I'm not sure that's a problem, but just generally up the quality of the squad. Yeah, and particularly up the quality of available options in midfield. I mean, I, I don't know what the deal is with Herrera. I don't know, is he... Is he? Is this it now? Is he finished? That seems unlikely. No, he's just signed a new contract, so clearly not. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, he's he's not having anywhere near as good a season as, as he was last season, um, and that's a shame. But there's a lot of the season to go, so maybe he'll come back into form. And and we could really do with him um, to to provide that energy. Matic is having was having a very good season. I think he's had a bit of a dip. Play a lot of football, could do with the rest, probably. Um, and beyond that, there are not very many good options. So, yeah, I think I think improving midfield options is, is how we become uh, less reliant on Pogba. You know, interestingly, if Andreas Pereira had stayed at United on um, instead of going on loan to Valencia, Valencia obviously having a very good season, and he's played, and before this weekend, he'd played 416 minutes of league football. I wonder whether he'd have played... I think he'd have probably played around that if he'd stayed at United, but that might have not been predictable at the start of the season. Uh, two questions which are extremely related. At 88 underscore Gilly 88, I'm going to censor his question and just say, how did we win that? But then at Rory Murph 1 saying, at what point do we ta- start talking about David De Gea as the greatest sports person in history? <laughs> and I think that's uh, that's how we won it. Yeah, no, not yet. Not yet. Um but, you know, he's, there's the good argument, and we, we can come back to this again and again for when he becomes United's best ever keeper. I think it's happened. I think it's happened. I think we don't want to admit that it's happened um, because of nostalgia and because of how much we won with other keepers. But I think just if you ask me right now, do I want Prime De Gea, Prime Schmeichel, or Prime Van der Sar in goal, I want Prime De Gea in goal. Michael left that European Cup. No, but I, <laughs> so did Van der Sar. But that's you yeah. Know, but Van der Sar I'm also left talking... his near post wide open for Barcelona to score past him twice <laughs> into European <laughs> Cup final. So I'm not having that cancelled out. But Schmeichel, Schmeichel made so many errors. Like he was an amazing goalkeeper, but he did have an absolute rick in him. I, I don't believe it. I only ever remember one. Okay. <laughs> Um, at Maz underscore man underscore UTD last question of the show friend of the show uh, this was a great game I was terrified I did not enjoy this feeling love the win but when we win a boring game it's far easier on the nerves am I anti-football I think Jose Mourinho and you would agree wholeheartedly about which what kind of games are good and what kind of games aren't yeah um, I think the games that are good are the ones that we win 5-0 and play champagne football just doesn't happen very often well, no, 5-0 doesn't happen, but 4, 
was a bit slightly annoyed we didn't get a fourth against Arsenal. Oh. Just, just, just for the the kind of um, what's the word S- um, symmetry of it. I was thinking another S word there because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it had been totally, totally unfair. But no, very beautiful of it happened. Um, but it was nice that we got four against Watford as well. Just adding a, another. I think we've had a four-two already this season. But nice to get another four-two in the, in there among the score lines in which Man United score four. Um, we just do it all the time. That's why we didn't record a podcast after Brighton game because we weren't able to function given that United had played two games and not scored four in either of them. Normal service resumed now. Now, of course, we've got two games coming up. One of them, there's a fairly decent chance we'll score four goals in. And one, I think it's fair to say, is relatively unlikely that we're going to score four goals in. Um, got anything you want to say about the Moscow yeah, game? Yeah, I think it'll be quite tight. You're right. It's probably unlikely that we'll score four in that one. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> but the City game, oof. No, Moscow doesn't matter. I, I'm sure there'll be some changes. Um, uh, they're not a very good side. Uh, United can afford to make changes and get away with the draw or something like that. Even if they lose, there's got to be a big swing, which could happen because um, it's a big swing to Basel, isn't it? So uh, Benfica are not very good either. So I suppose in theory there's a risk. Uh, it's not much of a risk, though. Um, so I'd, I'd make a lot of changes for that game and, and try and keep everyone as fresh as possible for the City game. Um, unfortunately, they can't play the um, the system anymore, can they? Because, you know, Pogba's definitely out of the City game. In the past, they'd have appealed spuriously um, just, to, just to get him available for this one. But uh, no option for that, sadly. Um, yeah. Oh, dear. I mean, the Moscow game is whatever. Like, if we blow it, if we blow it, all I'm asking is that we blow it badly enough that we're not in the Europa League. That's all. That's all I'm asking. Um, but I don't think we will. Blow I don't it. think that's possible, is it? Oh no! Oh no! No, you're probably right. Of course, of course, it wouldn't be possible because the top three are the top three in that group. So if we do blow it, okay. Now I've changed my mind. That game is incredibly important. We should play our full strength team against on that in that game and just play the under 17s against City. I, I think we'd have to lose something like. 6-0 and for Basel to win by three. Okay. To make third place. Because it's all about... It's it's a combination of head-to-head and goal difference, isn't it? Um, and somehow it's like head-to-head, but the games against Benfica are taken out. I think I read that as long as we don't lose 5-0, we qualify. And so long as we don't lose 4-0, we top the group. Uh, irrelevant of what Basel do. But you might be right here, Ed. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not au fait with the rules at all. They'll they'll tell us ad nauseum on the commentary, won't they? I'm sure. I watched the entire Arsenal game with uh, muted, like from before the before the first before the kickoff. I just didn't didn't have commentary on at all. I just couldn't handle it. And when whoever was the co-commentator awarded Jesse Lingard man of the match over David De Gea, I felt entirely vindicated. <laughs> I, I really wish. They'd give you the option to just wipe out. I don't need commentary. I've seen enough games, hundreds of them. Thousands of watching games, hundreds of game being to go being to games, going to games, whatever it is. Um, I don't need some person telling me who's on the ball and Jim Beglin telling me that Arsenal are the moral victors. Um, I'd like just noise from the stadium. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's it's so strange that that doesn't happen. Um, anyway, uh, or, or, or maybe they could give the fan channel as well, and we could have House and. I mean that that's the old Sky Sports thing, isn't it? The Sky Sports fan zone. Terrible my god, that was terrible. There's two people shouting at each other all the way through the game. 
It's worse than the commentary. <laughs> I mean, there there have been times. I mean, maybe it was the 2006 World Cup when the BBC had the red button option for no commentary and five live commentary, and that was great. Um, but it's it's strange how the, the big broadcasters don't do it. I guess they're they're so concerned with trying to sort of brand their content. I guess um, it, it is really weird because it wouldn't take up any bandwidth at all, really. I mean, it would literally take up some bandwidth, but you'd, you'd assume they've got the bandwidth to do it. Anyway, uh, oh, talking of World Cups, the World Cup draw happened, and yeah. I was super bummed out that Gary Lineker did the World Cup draw. It's like, I mean, he said, you know, I've played in loads of World Cups. I'll be fronting the TV coverage for World Cups. What's the difference? But And I can't work out what the answer to what the difference is, but there's a difference. It, it, I mean, it was nice that he wore um, LGBTQ plus awareness badge. That was great. But um, still, I don't know. He's been such a critic of FIFA and they're an organisation that deserves so much criticism. And the Russian government is such a frightening thing at the moment that, I don't know, it just didn't seem okay to me. Yeah. They're not more frightening than the uh, uh, the some other governments around the world, are they? Um, including their puppets over in uh, in the states, um, as we may well find out soon. Uh, anyway, that's political cast over for thirty seconds. Yeah, uh, uh, Gaz uh, spent most of the time staring at his lovely co-host. I thought, very naughty. Um, as we know, he's a naughty boy. I can't. I can't bring myself to. I, I was looking at the groups, and it's like. Oh, look, it's a World Cup. That's the most exciting thing in the football world in a lot of ways. And yet it just feels so, so ugly. And there's been so much talk about Qatar 2022 as the kind of pinnacle of ugliness. But with everything happening in the world, this one just feels just as bad to me. I don't know. Yeah, well, yes, absolutely. I'm, uh, you know, Every week there is another story of corruption coming out about who got bribed for what votes. So, um, but yeah, we'll all get excited when uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia uh, <laughs> kick off kick off events, kick off the World Cup. Yeah, sponsored by Gazprom. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, England, who've England got? Panama, Tunisia, Tunisia and Belgium. So yeah. probably two or three points out of that. Um, going out ignominiously, losing to Belgium in the final game of that group. <laughs> uh, they need to get Scalzi back because Tunisia. 98 and all that. Yeah. Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Uruguay, Morocco, Iran. Opening three games. Interesting. Portugal, Spain on the Friday night. That's a banger, obviously. That's a, that's a banger. Uh, France versus the Socceroos on Saturday morning. I'm sure you'll be up early for that. I'm not going to. I don't. I really genuinely don't think I'm going to watch the World I might do. But you, oh, come on. We've got to do World Cup cast. You no, watch no there's no way I'm doing World Cup cast covering, covering this, this thing. Like... I, I can't. I, you, you think this World Cup's any more bent than every other one? I think. Um, it, I think there's it's... plenty. I mean, you know, people will go to prison over the uh, the Brazil one, you know, and uh, left a massive pile of white elephants. So, I mean, that was it's, uh, every single one of them are corrupt. I know, but it's like, at what point do you go? Well, the the kind of good shiny distraction of this is outweighed by the absolutely horrific 
soft culture, soft power, human rights implications of the whole thing. Like, yeah, but but you watch United when the AIG was sponsoring us. I watch. I, mean, I watch, check, check out their human rights. I watch. I watch United, who are you know owned by people that gave ten times more to the Trump campaign than they gave to the Hillary campaign. So you know, that's there's there there are degrees about all of these things that society is a complete mess. But at some point. The World Cup seems particularly egregious to me, and I, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably mellow out about this over the next few months and kind of back down on all this, but for now it just feels like, ugh, the whole thing feels really icky. Anyway, talking of feeling really icky, let's preview the derby. Yeah. It's going to be a banger. You know, I'm going to come out. Two, three, five. <laughs> Absolutely smash City. No doubt about it. I mean, City are pretty frightening at the moment. It's very annoying that even when they're struggling to break teams down, they're beating people in the last minute. Although not quite as annoying as their manager's reaction after that game. Uh, Yeah. I mean, look, there was a lot of, well, what if Mourinho had done that style? comments yeah. when there but like seriously ed um, but, what, but if seriously, Mourinho what if Mourinho done that, done that? <laughs> i mean he'd be banned for about a year wouldn't he um definitely everyone would have absolutely lost it if he had um so in the event that you've somehow been living in a football coverage bubble and somehow missed this story which has had probably an undue amount of attention but i say that it had an undue amount of attention in terms of its overall importance in the grand scheme of football things, but not in terms of how weird it was. So uh, City play uh, Southampton. Southampton defend really resolutely, really valiantly. And in the end, Raheem Sterling, who's having such a good season, and even though it's City and they're evil, I can't help be a bit happy for him given the way he's treated by the press in this country. So Raheem Sterling scores a last-minute winner, gutted, etc. But Guardiola comes charging onto the pitch and runs towards Nathan Redmond and starts screaming in his face. <laughs> like Now, he was screaming compliments in his face, but that's weird too, Pep. You know, the whole thing was really peculiar. Well, uh, you know, Mourinho got sent off for creeping millimetres onto the pitch. I mean, literally millimetres outside his technical area and he got sent off for it. I'd retrospectively banned Guardiola from the country <laughs> and uh, and put David Moyes in uh, charge of uh, of City. And they'll try and make it tough to beat us. Um, yeah, that's right. I think they probably right. will. We'll try and make it tough to beat us uh, because I'm quite sure uh it's uh as as uh Tarek amir writer for the site friend of the website uh well friend of the website friend of the rank car said uh, uh jose would park an airbus if he could in this game. <laughs> um so is the pattern of play going to be city have 85 percent of possession and united desperately yes. try and hit them on the breakthrough i guess i guess we will play three at the back with sort of two up front again i wonder whether cuz he played he's he's played like fully two up front in the last couple of games but i wonder whether it'll be no i mean cuz i think he'll play lukaku martial and lingard again um i don't see why he wouldn't do that really so I guess that's sort of there's going to be three people attacking when when we counterattack, but it's going to be Matic and Herrera and Fellaini 
Yeah, unless he really did want to bring another another midfielder in because he's going to play anyone he said. Because, like, Herrera, Matic and Lingard as a midfield Oof. three feels a bit yeah, flaky. Yeah, it is a bit flaky, isn't it? But, I mean, of course, like, Herrera, Fellaini and Matic is not exactly exciting. But I wonder whether he might play Herrera, Matic and Lingard in the middle with kind of, you know, Lingard as the furthest forward of them. And then... I just wonder whether United get enough ball for Lingard to be effective. So he, he might well yeah, play Fellaini. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Then play Fellaini ahead of them. Fellaini at 10 with Lukaku as the kind of effective front two, just not play Martial at all. Fellaini, the uh, the classic, put your foot on the ball, number 10. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, look, um, Young suddenly turned into a world-class left-back, scoring worldies left, right and centre. Yeah. So uh, he, he could barely get an assist as a forward. Um, including that one time Van Gaal played him at number nine, bizarrely. Um, I don't know what's more freaky, Van Gaal playing at him, him at number nine or Mourinho deciding he's a left-back. But uh, no, um, Van... So maybe Fellaini will turn into that world-class number 10 we always knew had it, it, it was inside him. It was Van Gaal that turned Young into a number 10. We're not taking the credit uh, into a number three, sorry. We're not taking the credit away from, from Louis for, for recognising Ashley Young's defensive potential. That was, that was pure Van Gaal. Um, so I guess... I can't really fit... You can't see a way that he fits in the three in midfield and Martial and Lingard unless he plays Martial, Lingard, Lukaku as a front three and then Herrera, Matic, Fellaini in in the middle and then a back four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the high press isn't actually that effective against City either, to be honest. Um, uh, So, I, you know, it's like... Because they're so comfortable with the ball, um, Stones being out is uh, is a bonus actually. Because you know he's having a good season, but not really from a defensive point of view, from a, an attacking point of view. Because Stones is the one that starts many of the um, many of the uh, sort of attacks from the back, and company doesn't quite do the same thing. Um, so you know there, there's a bonus there. Maybe there's a chance to put pressure on City's back four as a result. Um, I, I rather think United will just retrench and let City have the ball up to about 40 yards from the goal and and then probably go direct to Fellaini and try and bring Lukaku and and one of Martial or maybe Rashford into the into the game. I, I, I suspect Herrera will come in for Pogba and Fellaini will come in for Lingard. The, um, uh, and that will be the thing. The, the problem with trying to stop City with a low block is just... There's two things. Like, when Mourinho did what he did with Inter against Barca, first of all, they had quite a big cushion from the first leg. And second of all, he had a team that was, um, you know, just on the verge of winning the title or maybe even had won the title by that point, was incredibly knit together, would absolutely run through walls for him. There weren't too many question marks about their solidity or organisation. And and they pulled off one of the kind of great defensive performances of all time. I'm not sure that I rate this United side as ready to pull off one of the great defensive performances of all time. So if if we do, I mean, it, it hasn't worked once. I mean, we got a nil-nil draw against Liverpool who gave up after 60 minutes and took all their strikers off. You know, it's, it's, it, this, the idea that we could somehow succeed in passing the bus, parking the bus against City, I almost feel like Southampton nah. are better equipped to park the bus against City than us. I mean, the the inter backline then had uh, Zanetti, Mike on 
Samuel and Chivu, you know, four very high quality players there. Um, and, uh, and you know, the, the players to attack on the break, Milito and Etu up front. So um, United definitely got the players to play on the break. I'm not sure we've got uh, a defender as high quality as Walter Samuel. Well, we definitely haven't, have we? It's, it's, but it, the, the kind of overall organisation, the, the certainty that you... I mean, City have got so many dangerous weapons in, in their attacking lineup. It is sort of ridiculous how well-equipped they are with strikers. And, and it just feels to me like... I'm not saying that we could, we should necessarily just try and slug it out with them and, you know, we'll score one more than you. I'm not sure that would necessarily work either because I'm not sure we could, we're going to get enough of the ball. Um, Maybe this is partly just inferiority complex or whatever, but to me, this game feels like almost a write-off, which is just a horrible thing to be thinking and feeling. It's a bit Moises-esque, that is. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I do not like it. Not one bit. I'm predicting a win. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're predicting a win. It's the rank cast. You are the Mark Lawrenson of this show. Wow. J- just about this. Just to just, clarify, wow. just about this thing. Wow. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you were delighted when Robert Mugabe was removed from power, like Mark Lawrenson, but otherwise... Was he? I, d- I didn't notice that. Yeah, Mark Lawrenson was weirdly obsessed and delighted about the fact that Mugabe went, which was... I'm very pleased for the people of Zimbabwe, although I do wonder whether he's just been replaced by mini versions. Yes. This is a... Rank cast, mini rank cast, Politico cast, <laughs> cast part two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the reality of this game is that it's going to be incredibly tough. There's a reason that City are miles clear at the top of the table. They have, the, this is the project in full flow and something is going to have to be go really wrong uh, people were losing the run of themselves uh, earlier today when an interview with Pogba was broadcast where he said they're going to have to get some injuries for us to catch up um, not like they're going to have to but like almost like I hope they get some injuries so we can catch up fairly tongue-in-cheek remark from Pogba I'm not sure he was specifically wishing ill on his fellow man um, in that in that game but um I'm hoping they get about 11 groin injuries uh, through the week. Yeah. What is United's best route to victory in this game, then, Ed? If you were, if you were given park, park, carte blanche... Park in the bus, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Double-deckers all round. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I, uh, United clearly aren't going to be good enough in midfield to go toe-to-toe with City's midfield. Uh, I'm not sure the high block is going going to work against... I mean, look, there's a chance with Stones being out to put pressure on. But I just wonder whether City will still be good enough just to play round and through United's um, midfield. And then the, the game's stretched and, and De Bruyne causes an absolute massacre at that point. So um, I'm pretty certain United will defend deep and try and get something out of the game. Helpfully, Tariq, uh, who I uh, mentioned earlier... Um, uh, did a piece on the site about um, Mourinho's first experience against Guardiola when he lost five nil. Hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he, he uh, his point was that it scarred Mourinho and he uh, changed his mind about how to play. Um, it scarred it scarred Mourinho about Guardiola and changed his mind how to play uh, one of Guardiola's teams ever since. And so, I'm sure he's right. 
uh, and United will be parking many buses. Uh, talking of the site, we ran a competition a couple of weeks ago, um, but I wanted to give people two shows worth of um, of space, and we didn't do a show in between, so I might extend the uh, submission deadline. Email us with uh, your submissions um, to win uh, Eric Cantona's new book and a beautiful print of Old Trafford by at Matthew G. Wood. Matthew Wood, that's G-J-I. Um, uh, so send us your submissions to cast at unitedrant.co.uk your best cartoon and it doesn't have to be well drawn it can be stick figures uh, we're just looking for a funny idea United related can- cartoon celebrating Eric Cantona's new book which is called My Notebook and it is super weird but also good um, so yeah get in touch before the kickoff of the derby I guess so that we can make that the uh, submission deadline. And the other thing I wanted to say is, Ed, you'd put on Twitter this week that you are after some new writers for the site. Yes. Yes, well, I've had a particularly insane six months with the, the new kid and um, being busy at work and all that. So I I've, 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 have been struggling with time. I have to say, lots of things I want to write about and never find time to do it. So um, I put a call out to have a few writers. I, I, got, I was inundated with... Um, with a submission, so which is good, and uh, hopefully lots and lots of good writers in that block. But uh, yeah, if you if you want to uh, do some writing for the website, um, usual rant rules apply. Nothing in the first person. That's why Paul never writes for the website, isn't it, Paul? And um, and uh, long form analysis and uh, get in touch, editor at United Rant, or hit me up on Twitter at United Rant. That's not why I don't write for the... It's in, like, four years of professional sports writing, Ed, has, has taught me out of the first person almost all the time. I just lapse into it very occasionally now. Um, uh, the reason that I don't write for the website is all the writing that I've been doing, although there's a lot less of that happening now. So never know. You never know. I did have an idea, and I thought about sending it to you, and then I was like, can't be bothered. True story. Unbelie- unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um. Right then, uh, now is the point of the show where we predict the scores for the week ahead. Six nil against Dirt, City. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to predict a thing against City. I'm going to go for a nil nil against City. We are successfully going to park the bus and frustrate Guardiola, and it's going to be one all, one all against uh, Moscow. I've got a question for you, Ed. Do you sincerely believe that that is the outcome of that game? Is that actually a prediction? Uh, well, it is a prediction. Do I sincerely believe yeah. it? No, I, I yeah. suspect that we're probably going to lose. But I don't want to get all moist okay. about this like you are. So I'm going yeah, I'm I'm... to be hopeful and say it's going to be a nil-nil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall moist. I think we're going to beat Moscow. I'm just re-establishing my optimistic credentials here. I think we'll beat them 3-0 because they'll be bad. Um, and I think City are going to absolutely batter us. That's what I actually think is going to happen. Uh, of course, I don't want it to happen. And I'm kind of even pulling punches a bit when I say I think we're going to lose that game 2-0. Um, but I have to say I would not be surprised at all if it's more than that. Um on the other hand, I'd be very surprised if it's less than that or if we win. And delighted, of course. See, see you haven't actually beaten anyone 2 0 for quite a while. Right. All right, I'll say 3 0. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so, we'll be back with another one of these. Have I forgotten anything? I feel like I've forgotten something, but I don't think we have. No, no, I think that's it. Uh, uh, we'll uh, 
bonus content for those uh, that back us on Patreon coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone else, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye now. The Rankcast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash rankcast to find out more.